0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The conservative review with Daniel Worlds. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen to the one and only CR podcast. Those of you who are yearning to fight for our freedom, not just get entertained or even informed but to actually do something about it. That's what we are all about here. Action skating to where the puck is going, not to where it has been. It is Friday, and I'm really thankful for Friday this week. Very fatigued from our amazing trip out to Front Sight, Nevada. Um, folks, uh, it might be the end of the week, but we are just midway into the battle for healthcare freedom. Really, all of our freedoms as I've been noting the last number of days, the battle is not over. COVID fascism is not over. And then there's the whole next step of inoculating ourselves, vaccinating ourselves from the next pathogen of tyranny. And the current pathogen is actually the fake vaccinations, the poison, Bill Gates poison. That's where it's all at. We never would have thought this a couple months ago because then they wanted to utilize all the different tyranny. I thought they'd keep the mass thing going forever and they have kept a large degree of it. But they're parlaying it all into the vaccination. They're obsessing about it. And we've learned that the more they obsess about something, the more there is something to hide about it. The more sinister and evil the motivations behind pushing that. I'll be honest with you, what I'm seeing with the vaccination is worse than I ever imagined. So we're going to have one of our top experts on, once again, Dr. Ryan Cole, to sort this out with us today. Because, folks, I haven't even gotten a chance to go through all the research from this week on myocarditis and everything. The danger to our young people, you know, just... Yesterday, the British Medical Journal came out with an article where they said, my home state, the University of Maryland system, they said that their mandate will not consider immunity, well, that we knew, or pregnancy or nursing. In other words, okay, in other words, what they said was that pregnancy alone would not provide a basis for an exemption to their mandate. So if you have like an older student or whatever, someone who's pregnant, uh, attending University of Maryland system, you still must get the poison. Hey, it's all in the science, folks, all in the science. Now, as always, our partner this month has been Patriot Academy. ConstitutionCoach.com offers the best defensive handgun training course. I just got back from it at the 550 acre complex of front site, Nevada, where they train over 50,000 people a year. Um, this is a course that obviously you've heard me talk about many, many times. And it's encouraging to see so many Patriots. Actually, we had Larvita on her four girls there. Larvita was the woman who stood up to Tim Waltz and Keith Ellison. She kept her business open But you'll be amazed at how much you could learn in their two-day, four-day course. I recommend the four-day. You guys should be jealous of all the people who enjoy themselves. But you have a leg up on them because you could do even better. It was kind of hot this time in the fall. It will really be very nice. There's a bunch of dates. If you go to constitutioncoach.com, every month in the fall, they have at least one or two uh, rounds of the two- and four-day courses. It's a little bit early for me to determine my schedule, but I could tell you I will likely be at the October 31st week at a minimum. Uh, the one that starts October 31st. so take a look at that. Um, again folks, this course is for everyone, whether you're experienced or not. You get 90% off on the typical cost that you would you know you would have to pay just through front site. Uh, you do have to bring your gear obviously or rent it there. And pay for your plane ticket accommodations, but otherwise, this is the best course you could have. I don't mean to be insulting here, folks, but there's very few of you in this audience that could not use training. Um, Some of you are straight up first timers, but even if you've gone to the range a lot or pretty often, um, target practice is not the same as defensive handgun training. Uh, and I'm certainly glad I've gotten hooked up with Rick Green and the boys, the Constitution coach and Front Sight. Really terrific, terrific partnership. All right, guys. So I wanted to start off today just before bringing in our guest. I wanted to start off with this sinister clip from a man named Brian Pallister. He's the premier of Manitoba, right? The Canadian province, Manitoba. Now, mind you. Keep in mind, Canada is getting hit now worse than America, even though they have access to the same vaccine, because it's not the vaccine that ended the epidemic in America. It was reaching critical mass of natural infection, which Canada did not reach. So now they're going to reach it by hook or by crook. So what you're going to hear in this two minute clip is uh, some sort of I don't know if it's a random caller some sort of woman calling in to his Q&A session and asking about ivermectin. And why aren't you guys talking about it, pushing it? Uh, every week, more data, more studies come out on it. The Israelis had a terrific study, even though they're pushing the vaccine, but they they don't mind publishing data, at least pushing ivermectin. And the, this woman asked Brian Pallister, the premier of Manitoba, about ivermectin. Listen to her question, and then listen 30 seconds later to his answer.
1: So if we're fighting this disease from, you know, from the sky, from the land, and from the sea, so to speak, there also seems to be another kind of hesitancy. And I'm speaking about um, treatment drugs. Uh, There's a hesitancy to talk about ivermectin. There's a hesitancy to... To try it, it seems. Maybe you know something more about what our health system is doing, but there's certainly news that ivermectin, I mean, Dr. Alessandro Sarrington, an oncologist working with a laboratory at Yale, believes that uh, ivermectin could be very effective. He's worked with it, he's tried it, and of course, he's not the only one. Uh, it's apparently a drug that does no harm. In particular, it's not got a big risk to try it, but it has helped many, many people. Are we doing anything with that? And if not, why not?
2: We're pursuing uh, domestic research that we hope can lead to uh, better vaccine availability in the future, perhaps uh, not uh, during this uh, wave but uh, when we need uh, uh boosters in coming years or if there's another pandemic to have canadian research available and pro- we have production of course in manitoba it's our our leading industry is drug manufacturing uh, i just want to say uh thanks to all uh concerned uh for the rain uh, our fire situation though not uh, fully addressed is uh, been significantly reduced in terms of its danger uh as a consequence of this rain and of course, when farmers make money, we're all better off. And uh, this is a billion dollar rain for our ag community. So uh, uh, I want to thank the people in charge uh, for making that rain available. Keep up the great work.
0: Now, obviously, unless you are spacing out, you'll realize he never even broached ivermectin. He said, Yeah, exactly. This is why we're going to make the vaccines available. If you ever needed proof to demonstrate, that there's something wrong with these vaccines. I've said this all along. The fact that they, they won't even talk about it. It's not even like bashing it. They won't even talk about the existence of cheap repurposed drugs. Is the biggest proof there is something much more sinister going on here than even I originally thought. And then when he's done, he puts on his mask and then leaves. There's, there's video of this audio as well. That is pretty scary. He looks like a robot when he talks. And now back to the main course. The vaccines will be made available for children. How could any fool look at every lie they've said and trust this? The bigger news than the you know, Wuhan Institute of Immunology, the Wuhan lab, the lie about that is the fact that because they lied about that, What's more important is the lie now that they're lying about the vaccine. It's the same people, the same system, the same masters of the universe. We're to trust them? Are you kidding me? Then I want to share with you uh, an email from a listener in New Hampshire. And she paid. She said she paid 100 bucks to go to a New Hampshire-Hillsborough County GOP dinner. Some of you might have heard in the news that former Vice President Mike Pence visited New Hampshire. And he met with Sununu. And it was at this dinner, this cocktail hour, at the Hillsborough County GOP dinner. Mike Pence headlined it. So she told me in an email here that she got a chance to introduce herself to the governor. And... She gave him the study showing that kids don't spread COVID. He laughed at me. He gave me the same goddamn line, a mocking voice, and he looks at the men around him and mocks me again. They don't, meaning when she said they don't spread, my kids spread everything. He continued talking over me, wouldn't let me give the names of the studies. Moved into another lady all laughing, but I continued. I said he had to take the masks off the kids. He lied and said he never did. I said... If he can executive order kids into mass, he can executive order them out of it. He continued denials. His mask order included kids, and his orders for different activities included kids like ski areas from age 5 and up. His handler finally bellied me away. He said it wasn't the time for it. I asked, when is the time to save children from these harmful masks? When will you stand up for the kids? When is a good time for the rights of children? When will you unmask these workers? Where is your leadership to unmask the kids? Why won't you lead to get them out of the non-mitigating harmful PPE? Masks don't work and they cause illness. Where is your leadership? And um, and that was it. This is a GOP governor. It's not Fauci 15 months ago with the Wuhan lab. It's even after everything we know, you still have GOP governors that continue to accept all of the lies that kids spread the virus and the vaccines are impervious. I mean, all of them, all of them are promoting the vaccine. Even on kids. And then, of course, just as an aside, Mike Pence gets up there, praises Sununu, and everyone... You know, I saw a lot of, like, phony conservative commentators were passing around a clip of Mike Pence bashing critical race theory. But he was doing it in the presence of the freaking governor who vetoed the bill to ban it in New Hampshire. Unbelievable. But I'm sure all these phony conservative journalists and talk show hosts committing malpractice didn't even know that the New Hampshire legislature passed the bill ...to ban it and that this jerk vetoed it. This is how we get these guys reelected. But you know what? Trump endorses the same people Pence does. Pence talked about move, moving the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. Folks, again, you know who I am, where I stand on that issue. It's God's land. But how much are you going to milk that one accomplishment... At the expense of everything else. Mike Pence is the man who got us COVID fascism. Who gave us Berks and Fauci and several other of these people. More than Biden, he is culpable. So let's not get focused on the wrong things here. So these are the same people that lied about, to this day, Republican governors. Children being super spreaders. But the vaccine is so amazing that now children must get it. Do you see how the two tie together? They can't admit children are in a problem because that will ruin the sacred vaccine. The thing with the vaccine is this, when the system wants something, the system gets something. So the system eased off a little bit with the masking, but only to jujitsu that pressure into the vaccine. So whatever the system wants at, at, at a given time, a hundred percent of Democrats and 90 percent of Republicans will promote it at all costs. So folks, again, it's not over. This is the Battle of Midway. Today's July 4th. Actually, the... what is it? Oh my gosh, wow. Ready the 79th anniversary of the Battle of Midway. We're turning the corner. We're making progress but it's pretty late into the game and we have a lot of work to do. We got Iwo Jima, we got Okinawa left. There's a lot more we need to do to fight back against COVID fascism. And let me just tell you, before we bring on Dr. Cole, fighting for our state teams, right? Our teams that are going to focus on many things, but especially state legislatures, you can sign up for constitutionaction.com Tell us where you're from, if you're willing to be a team leader, a regional coordinator. This is from the Northwest Arkansas Democrat G- Gazette. State law adds kink in Pulaski County reopening. Remember I told you I worked with this state senator, Trent Garner. good, Great guy to pass a bill prohibiting in the future any mask mandate at a state and Local level. We tried it in North Dakota. They watered it down. Only applied it to the state. Not the localities. We need to fix that in this in an in, in emergency session. But anyway. They basically write. How. Where is this? A state law going to effect next month. Has caused Pulaski County officials to question their plans. Regarding reopening county facilities. As the COVID-19 pandemic eases. Act 1002 passed. During the legislative session earlier this year, goes into effect July 27th and will end public mask mandates in the state. That conflicts with the county's plan to require that vaccinated individuals receive approval in order to forgo wearing masks inside county buildings. County Judge Barry Hyde said Friday that his executive order on county building closures expires Sunday and he will not reinstitute it. He said a plan would be in place for reopening the buildings. On Wednesday, he said the state legislation could change the county's plans. But he hopes that by the end of July, enough people will be vaccinated that it won't matter. Notice Trent Gardner did us a favor. Notice that without his bill, even in conservative Arkansas, these counties were planning to play the game that you have to show proof of vaccination to drop the muzzle. To my knowledge, Arkansas is the only state where we successfully got Legislation signed into law, no thank you to that governor, by the way, it's all because of the conservatives in the legislature, to bar state and local officials from ever violating human rights in this respect again. One state out of 19 trifectas, 31 GOP state legislatures in control, and about 24 trifecta controls. So we got a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do because they are going to push this vaccine by hook or mainly by crook.
3: Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D.
0: Now our next guest is sponsored by iTarget Pro, folks. Those of you who have gone out with me to Front Sight understand that dry fire practice is everything. It's your stance, it's muscle memory, obviously proper grip, uh, sight alignment, picture alignment, And then, of course, trigger control. iTarget Pro has a propriety app that goes together with their laser bullet. And it's used by law enforcement to save you trips to the range and let me tell you that expensive price of ammunition. You download iTarget's propriety app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, obviously, you know, Follow all of the safety precautions and rules. No ammo near you. Point in a safe direction. They give you a little target. You have your iPhone that you shine onto it, and it takes a picture of it. And believe me, if you jerk that trigger a little bit, it will render your shot low. It's it's it is very accurate. Um, for an extra couple bucks, I think it's like three dollars, you can get their um updated app where they time your draw, so you could practice drawing from the holster. You literally get everything except for the recoil but you know what you're not supposed to be anticipating that recoil anyway so today you could save 10 plus free shipping with offer code cr at checkout when you go to itargetpro.com it's the smartest way to keep yourself in practice don't lose uh, that muscle memory you guys got at front sight and those of you coming out on some of our fall trips you're going to want to have this to practice um it really is uh, the the way to save money otherwise i mean look you know basically one i target pro what is it like you know two two boxes of ammo now and then you got it for life so again go to itargetpro.com itargetpro.com offer code cr all right folks back by popular demand Dr. Ryan Cole, all of our shows with him are very popular. He is a Mayo Clinic-trained anatomic and clinical pathologist, uh, so he certainly understands viruses, but he also runs the largest independent lab in Idaho. So he's been culturing this virus, looking at it for months, understands every aspect of it, the vaccine, treatment. We've done a lot of shows with him on early treatment, but I wanted to delve into the vaccine today. Dr. Cole, Thanks so much for joining us today, even though I know you're traveling. I am. Uh, pleasure to be here with you, Daniel. And yeah, let's laser focus and target on uh, what's going on now. That's right. We, we got to get it on the target. And this is the issue. Uh, too many people are getting distracted. Um, you know, I, I'd love to talk about the Wuhan lab at some point, but more of my concern is in the here and now. This is not a matter of going over something and retrospectively, Hey, what went wrong? We are in danger now. I was not worried about the vaccine when it came out. Like anyone else, a vaccine always has a nice connotation. I'm pro-vaccine in general. Um, Never had an issue with it. Masking, lockdowns, well, that was something new and crazy, and that I was very much opposed to. So I really started out with an open mind. But then they were so obsessed with the vaccine that I said to myself, wait a minute, something doesn't add up. And then they started pushing it on children. Despite the already known fact that we're, we're up to 4,000 uh, or 4,400 deaths, uh, 260,000 adverse events, and that's just the tiny percentage that are actually reported to VIRS. So even if you believe it's still a small percentage of the denominator for kids, it's definitely greater than the absolute risk from the virus. Since we spoke last, doctor, I never would have thought they would now make kids as if they're more at risk than adults. They ha- A two-year-old now has to mask, but not an adult, until they get the vaccine. What do you got to say about that?
3: Yeah, we're experiencing a new level of medical malfeasance at this point. Children are not at risk from this virus as a whole. They survived this virus at a statistical 100%. And they're actually a bridge for population immunity. Children experience this as a cold. Now, don't get me wrong, there's a small handful of immune suppressed individuals, genetic disorders, cancer and whatnot, that have the same risk as say, the elderly population that suffered, but those are the minority of individuals. The sad thing is we are pushing an experiment on a population that does not need this. There, It, it makes no medical sense at this point to target children with something for the which we do not know the long-term side effects. And there are early treatments, we've discussed that before, if early treatments are available to children too. So if people say, oh gosh, but if you don't vaccinate the kids, you know they could get long haul symptoms. Well, number one, the majority of them don't anyway. I Two of my children have had COVID. They both got early treatment, they had COVID for two days they're fine. They have antibodies. They have a healthy, robust immunity and immune memory for life now. And that's, you know, another thing that's been out there in the zeitgeist that, oh gosh, your immunity is going to wane. Well, we have new papers showing in the bone marrow. You have the cells that remember the virus for a lifetime. Those B cells, those plasma cells are there. They just go quiet like they're supposed to. If we had, a immune reaction to every virus and bacteria that we're exposed to every day, we would look like the swollen Michelin tire man of lymph nodes and it would be energetically impossible for us to maintain high antibody levels all the time. The body forms a response and goes quiet. And the other important thing to think about is Between early treatments, between those who have had the shot, who have wanted the shot, and those who have had COVID, we are essentially at herd immunity. This pandemic in most of North America, at least in the United States, is over. It's over. Are there endemic pockets of COVID and people still at risk? Sure, but let's leave the kids alone. They are robust. They are strong. Their immune system fights this off. Targeting children with a shot for the which you know long-term side effects are not only possible but probable—it's medical malfeasance. It's dangerous, and it's it, it's it's medical lunacy. I, I do not understand how my colleagues—and uh, again, I all my shots as a child, my children, all my shots—just like you, I'm not anti-vaccine, but this is not the right thing. And now that we know that the spike
0: protein itself is a toxin it's causing problems in these so children. could you could you start from the beginning with that to explain the spike protein how it was marketed to work but now the concern that it might not stay in your shoulder muscle and then take as much time as you need to then transition that into explaining the myocarditis concerns the blood clots that Almost seem to be a little bit more prevalent among kids. Uh, the government, corporate complex are saying no. It's the same rate we see all the time of kids getting it. The you know not more among the vaccine vaccinated population, but an Israeli study seems to show that it's somewhere between five and twenty five times more uh, common among those vaccinated. Could you just take it from the bottom, from a layman's term, and explain how this works? Most certainly. So traditionally, a vaccine we take parts
3: of a pathogen, we, in, we make them inert or inactive or less active, and we put that part into, uh, you know, a vaccine goes into the body, your body responds, makes antibodies, and forms memory over time. Here with these shots, instead of putting a traditional model into a shot and into the arms, we're putting a gene sequence, and now that gene sequence goes in hijacks our cell machinery to make the protein of the virus. Well, recent studies from the esteemed Salk Institute, uh, instead of injecting whole virus into animal models, they took just that spike protein and they were able to induce the blood vessel damage, the lung damage, the brain damage just with the spike protein in their studies and that was a big uh-oh and this came out a couple of weeks ago and as we look at this now we realize okay we have now coded for this spike we we these shots are Taking our machinery over in our cells, we are making that spike and then circulating it around. We were sold the concept that if we stick it in the arm, it stays in the muscle in the arm. And then your immune system over a couple of days will start to form an antibody against a spike that's supposed to just be on the surface of your cell. But just in that area where you got the shot. Well, Harvard just did a study. It was in the uh, oh, Journal of oh, Clinical... Oh, Um, Of course, I'm going to forget the article, um, clinical infection or clinical – anyway, it's a Harvard article. It's out out there. But what they found in this, they do what's called a single molecule assay, which is a super sensitive test, and they're able to look for that spike protein in circulation. So as early as one day after the shot, in your plasma circulating around the body – now remember – We're told it's supposed to stay on the surface of the cells in the arm where you got the shot. Well, in circulation, they started detecting as early as one day, the spike protein floating around in your circulation. And in order to make that spike go away, you have to make the antibodies. Those generally don't show up till about day 14. So what we know is for 14 days, it was a small group of individuals they studied, but for 14 days, they had spike protein circulating. Now we go back to that Salk study. The spike itself is
0: pathogenic. It can cause all the diseases wow. that the virus itself can cause. So so wait, just to freeze there, at its most basic level, a traditional vaccine, you give them an inert form of the pathogen. Here you're saying what you're giving with this spike protein is very much active. It's the, the hope is that you're going to neutralize it with the with the antibodies, but you're playing chicken with it. You're you're putting in there something that really is a problem. The idea originally was that it would stay in place. So then you have time to form the antibodies. Okay, you kind of have the same result ultimately as a traditional vaccine. But now that we know it can and does circulate in your blood, it could go anywhere and it takes up to two weeks to form the antibodies, you're saying you're basically giving yourself what is what? Tantamount to like a virus.
3: Correct. Yes, you're giving yourself. And, and you know, it, it's interesting because that virus, people think, oh, somebody died from a virus. Really what you die from or have complications from is the immune reaction to that virus and or in this case, the spike protein. So the spike has S1 subunit, an S2 subunit and a receptor binding domain area. So we have mimicked this with this sequence that we're making our own body make. Thinking it was going to stay in place, like you said, now we know it's circulating. And when it circulates, now it can bind to other tissues in the body. Now, when it binds to other tissues in the body, the immune system says, hmm, that doesn't look normal. And then going on to the question of myocarditis in the Israel studies and the children around the United States that we're seeing hospitalized with inflammation of the heart and the sac around the heart called the pericardium, that spike protein is depositing itself and triggering an immune response and then our own body sends in its white blood cells our soldiers and those cytokines that we've heard about in the news for 15 months and now you're introducing a cascade of immune reaction and hyperinflammation in your own body's tissues and we know that spike you know our 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 bodies are replete with ACE2 receptors, and we know the heart, the kidney, the lungs, the brain, the uh, reproductive organs, have high amounts of ACE2 protein where that spike wants to bind. So even though there's not the rest of the virus attached to this spike, it's still binding, trying to bind to these tissues. And once it does, it triggers that immune reaction, which then can cause the inflammation in those given organs that's why we're seeing adverse events from the injections in individuals and people say oh gosh it wasn't the shot because it it didn't happen until several days later well that harvard study shows us it can start to form and circulate as early as one day that spike persist for up to 14 days we know that the s1 that's one subunit of the spike can cross the blood-brain barrier we've seen plenty of neurologic side effects. Post-shot, I have a a medical colleague. He now has wiggling of his tongue, shaking of his hands. Healthiest guy I know, military guy, doctor. I mean, permanent, permanent damage. Same thing. Now we're starting to see, you know, inflammation in children. We have seen a young man in Texas, 15-year-old, died of a heart attack uh, after his Pfizer injection. A couple of children up in Wisconsin, died after their injections. little girl down in the south, uh, transverse myelitis, paralyzed from the waist down after her injections. So we are putting something in our children and causing more damage with the shot than if they got COVID themselves and could clear it.
0: So a couple of things that are important there you mentioned. Number one is, in many respects, the vaccine is the exact opposite of the approach of the therapeutics like ivermectin, where there you are actually treating the inflammation. You're trying to preempt that inflammatory response. Whereas with the vaccine, you're potentially playing chicken with the inflammatory response. You're inducing it. And if it doesn't work properly, you're going to go get that very inflammation. And and one of the effects is obviously inflammation of the heart and, and the blood clotting. Um, is it the fact that the vaccine is more of a threat to, to creating these blood clots in children or is it just that it's more noticeable because you don't usually see it with them
3: well yeah and that's a good question children's immune system generally responds differently and then adults and that's why they have done so well with their the this virus compared to you know certain other families of viruses their natural t-cells are present especially their natural killer cells are present at a rate two to three times higher than adults and those particular cells have two to three times the activity so a kid that gets COVID may get a sniffle and you you say "Ah, is does Johnny or Susie have allergies and then you look back and go no Johnny or Susie actually just got through COVID in in a wink so children tend to have You know, more robust immune responses than adults do, and they're dependent on that very quick, reactive, innate response. The antibody side of things, that's really what you want going into a future infection. So that's your kind of your memory to something that's why we vaccinate against you know, polio, mumps, measles, rubella, et cetera. It's, there's not an outbreak of them. We're just giving you an antibody to remember going into the future. What's far more important in any viral infection is to have a robust T cell response, which children do. And so because of that, we're, I, I, I don't know, we're turning children into little grown-ups. They're not, they're different. And so we're trying to take this one-size-fits-all approach when children don't need this. They are already strong, robust, and as a population, I don't want to say immune to the virus, but strongly predisposed to not have a bad course of
0: virus. Sure, And, and what I'm wondering is, I've heard some other doctors say that there is a concept that if you're already primed, to respond to the virus, maybe kids inherently are, and certainly if you're an adult who has already had SARS-CoV-2, that it might possibly be worse to then give them this spike protein because it like supercharges them. There was a British study somewhere um, from one of the universities there in England that seemed to show, or their results showed, that those already vaccinated uh, I'm sorry. Those already with prior infection seem to suffer more, even medium uh, level effects than those that never had the virus. Is, is there something to that? Hundred percent correct. And here, here's just a very simple logic game. Think about
3: it this way: If you've had COVID, you can donate your plasma through a plasma center to treat somebody who's in the hospital with COVID. You have a broad immune response. If you have gotten the shot, your antibodies are insufficient. The Red the Red Cross says no, we can't use your blood as a donor to go treat somebody in the hospital with their plasma from the shot. Which says to us, just from a very simple logic game, look, if you've had COVID, you have a broad Immune response, you are immune to COVID. Out of the several hundred million people now that have had COVID, there's maybe a hundred people that have been proven to have a reinfection. Meanwhile, post-injection, there's 10,000 plus breakthrough cases, and we know that's way underreported and the CDC has shifted the cycle threshold, et cetera. So it's probably a lot more people than that. So we know that the shots may decrease symptoms, but they're not providing a broad immunity like a natural infection does. And to your point, 100% correct. If you have had COVID and you get a shot, which you don't need, you absolutely don't need, the immune system our God-given immune system is strong, robust, and beautiful you are at a two to three times increased risk of those adverse side effects due to, it, it, like, like you said, it's almost like an immune priming. You don't need another trigger of that shot revving your immune system even more. And here's the other thing. And, and if somebody chooses to get a shot, you know, your body, your choice, not with the kids, don't do this to our kids. If you're an adult, informed consent, You know all the risks, you know all the potential side effects. If you get the shot, even those adults should get screened. Check your antibodies, check your T-cell. There's a T-detect test that you can do. Those need to be done. Screen before vaccine, screen before vaccine, because if you have already had COVID, you don't need the shot, and you are putting yourself at risk for complications that are multiplied many multiples than if you hadn't gotten the shot at all.
0: You, you know, you, you've you gotten me onto these funky analogies. I, I'm i just giving my audience all these shooting analogies because I spent all week uh, shooting in the desert. And uh, I was just thinking, you're right, with the whole idea of waning antibodies, we, we we seem to misunderstand God's innate immune system that he created and why it works a certain way. And we try to, you know, just reinterpret it and then repurpose it. And it backfires. It's kind of like with with shooting. You don't sit there circling around 360, muzzling your your gun at everyone, flagging everyone. You take care of the threat, and then you put it down to a ready, a safe position. Uh, we just learned the position, soul, in the intermediate class. How to do that properly, where you could flip back up um, to your sites quickly to deal with a threat, and that's kind of what the antibody levels are. You know, they 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 deal with it when when there's a threat, but you don't want to be super primed. It's like the equivalent of having your finger on the trigger with the slack um, depressed at every moment. You know, you can't you can't be that way. No, nothing is a matter of oh, you can go all out. The the immune system doesn't seem to be an all-or-nothing proposition. Immune system has to be just right because isn't it true that with COVID, and we've discussed this a lot, it's ultimately the immune dysregulation that's going to kill you, going to give you serious consequences from COVID. So, you know, the immune system is what saves us, but the immune system could also go haywire. So ultimately, isn't the concern that the vaccine is actually tampering with the immune system rather than just giving you that inert response, that inert pathogen, um, so you form antibodies.
3: Yeah, yeah. So essentially, to your analogy, the the immune system goes trigger-happy, and it's shooting a hole in the heart, shooting a hole in the lungs, shooting a hole in the brain, the kidneys. So if we're not careful with this immune response, if if we're... Hyper revving that immune response by giving shots to people who don't need them now their immune system is going haywire and another interesting thing that you know with the inflammation of the heart in the young men um, both in in Israel, where they you know see a twenty five to fifty fold increase if not more of inflammation of the heart in in young men we're starting to see that in our children here in the United States sadly you know those those hyper-responses that trigger going off in directions it shouldn't. The other problem we're having, and and Pfizer in Germany uh, came out with a study, and they said, well, gosh, we need to do more studies. This this was highly concerning to me when they, they came out with this article just the other week, is they say, well, we're making a really good antibody response, but we seem to be altering the ratios of T cells in these young individuals getting the shot have an altered innate immune response, and we don't know what that means. I'll tell you what it means. It it means you're messing with nature. We're, We're using a modality we've never used before. We're turning certain genes on, turning certain genes off, certain cells on, certain cells off. What they're indicating in a very cautious way is have we just tuned down that Beautiful, innate response that that younger generation depends upon for all infections. Have we now altered the ratio permanently? And I I don't know. The answer scientifically is I don't know. But that article was very concerning saying we don't know. How we've now retuned, say to your point. Now, do we have a trigger happy immune system? Do we have a trigger averse immune system? Yes. Do we have an immune system that's never even going to see the target? We don't. Th- th- know. Th-
0: that was my question to you that, um, you know, th- we have, there are a lot of people getting the responses, but they tend to be immediate and a lot of people don't. So I know, you know, most people that I personally know who got it, they're fine. So the question is long term, does that mean they're out of the woods or does that mean? That I don't know. They come get the flu next season, or particularly, what? What if they get, or, or not get? Or, or there's someone who already has lupus or rheumatoid arthritis or something that is considered an autoimmune disease. Is there a long-term concern that their immune system is going to misfire on 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 their on their own body because of the spike protein?
3: There is a long-term concern, and we know with all vaccines, there's always a small percentage of individuals that will end up with some autoimmune conditions. You know, I've kind of hypothesized with this one, you know, for the last year and change that yes, that's going to happen especially with a new modality that we haven't tried and we don't have those long-term results. Uh, we've we've seen them in animal models before um, in mRNA therapies, so it, it's still a matter of how much of that we're going to see. We're not a homogenous world. We're, genetically, we all have different surface markers on ourselves. And to your point, yeah, a lot of people get the shot. They're fine. This, this whole screen before vaccine, have you had COVID or not? That's that's one thing that we should definitely be doing. Um, but the other thing that from a laboratory point of view, and it's much more esoteric, and we know this with certain shots, we know this with certain chemotherapies, certain people, and, and different medicines as well, certain people, when you give them a certain molecule are going to react far different differently than others. But we don't have a broad genetic panel that we can do quickly and say, okay, you are at risk if you get this drug, this vaccine, Uh, you aren't. And so to your point, yes, most people are gonna do fine, but there's always gonna be that subset. We don't know if that's 3%, 5%, 10%, 30%. We don't know is the honest answer. Now that we're mostly through COVID as a nation and we have preventative treatments, We don't need to be putting people at long-term risk for something that could turn into an autoimmune reaction down the road, especially damaging the hearts of our young men in our country, literally. Um, Especially maybe messing with their fertility. We don't know, these weren't studied in the trials. The animal trials started at the side-by-side with the human trials, we don't know. And that's where I just really, we in medicine took an oath to do no harm. And why would we give something to a zero to 18 population with potential harm when we know that they can do a hundred percent well against this virus already? So we are breaking our oath as a medical profession and it's turning into medical malfeasance in my, in my opinion at this point.
0: Exactly. I mean, it's the younger people certainly were never at risk. A large segment of older people already had it. Uh, They shouldn't get it. But then even people that, maybe are middle-aged to older, and maybe were screened and didn't have COVID, you bring up a third element, which is that we're in a different place now than we were in November, December of last year, and the virus is not really circulating that much. It's It, it might be down to number five in terms of prevalence of a respiratory virus now. You know, RSV and rhinovirus are certainly more. OC-43 is more prevalent now than, than SARS-CoV-2. So, it's certainly really on its way out, which leads me to the final point I wanted to get your take on. One of the things that has really shocked me is I start out with the premise that certainly this would be effective. Just the fact that they couldn't get it off the ground if it just was a dud, I was worried about the side effects, but you know, it had to be effective. I didn't really believe the 95%, but okay, fine. But then I I've spent all year working around with charts. My buddy Ian Miller has probably made a thousand mask charts where he shows the timing and everything. And there is zero correlation of masks ever working anywhere, anytime, any place. Now I'm finding I'm looking at vaccination rates, kind of like we did with the mask mandates, and I'm finding a surprisingly similar thing. I'm not saying there's no efficacy, but it seems like if you're like Canada or India was, or certain countries that just didn't have saturation because they didn't have two full waves like we did, they seem to keep getting it even though they have access to the same vaccine. You look at Europe. The Eastern European countries like Albania and Romania, very low vaccination rates. They seem to be doing just as well as the ones with the high vaccination rates. Is this thing really effective? That's
3: an excellent question. The short answer is very little efficacy. So when you look at the claim of of effective, you look at they, their effective number ninety ninety five percent comes from your risk reduction calculation. But when you look at the absolute risk reduction, it really takes um, you know just to keep it ballpark about a hundred people to get a shot for one person to have one less symptom of COVID, and. So the shots really across a broad population don't take effect until you hit about that 50 age range where you start seeing a small statistical bump. But really, you know, with as low as our rates are right now, it would take all, several million children to get both shots to protect one child. That's ridiculous because of the known risks to those children. Same with the rest of us. If you're not at a high risk, you know, comorbidities, et cetera, for COVID, and you're under the age of 50, getting that shot is really only decreasing your risk of one symptom by about 1%. So it's statistical games they've played, but your observation is correct. In many of these nations actually, after their vaccination campaigns begin, you start to see the rates go up and there are charts I could share with you, many nations, the moment you start the, the vaccination campaigns, again, that could be because you're suppressing that innate immune response while you're working preferentially on that antibody response, that now you're more susceptible for that two-week period of time. And... And we're, yeah, again, this is a grand experiment on humanity. These are investigational. These aren't licensed. These aren't approved. These are just emergency authorized. And we're just doing a giant experiment on humanity and we're seeing plenty of ill side effects. Don't get me wrong, you know, we've probably saved some elderly lives within this process, which is wonderful. But those at high risk should be the ones that should be allowed the opportunity to consider this. Anybody beyond that, it should be a personal choice, the concept of mandates, the concepts of government overreach, business overreach, violating the Nuremberg Code, violating federal law, violating even the Emergency Authorization Act itself, where it clearly states in black and white ink these are optional and investigational.
0: Wow, that is very sobering. Again, everyone's debating the Wuhan lab, but I'm more concerned about the here and now. Um, what we don't know and what hasn't been investigated about the vaccine, which is going on right now. I mean, how the virus leaked is kind of, you know, it's certainly important to the study, but this is even a bigger scandal. And, and also, I'm just shocked by the fact that when in life do we ever allow the foxes to guard the hen house? Oh,
3: my goodness.
0: Yes. You know where I'm where I'm headed with this. It's like all the information comes from them. And and by the way, even if you take the uh, Pfizer data on 12 to 15 year olds, I believe it would be a serious adverse event every three hundred and thirty three um, is there, is their data. And like you said, you would need several million children vaccinated to protect someone. Um, so on the way to several million, you're going to have a tons of serious adverse events every three thirty-three. But that's their data. Um, you know, somehow when it comes to ivermectin, they're like, "Well, we don't, we don't have enough. We don't have enough, no matter how many independent studies come out. It's not like there's anyone to, you know, getting money off of it. But then when it comes to the vaccines, it's like, hey, Pfizer just said this is what's what the deal is, and we're supposed to trust that. Yeah, it's crazy. We have tens of thousands of people
3: around the world in randomized controlled trials uh, with multiple early treatment medications that are the safest medicines on the planet and on the WHO's list of most necessary safest medicines that treat this disease wonderfully, especially if you treat early. I have not had one patient failure in my cohort of patients yet, not one hospitalized, not one dead. And, you know, children can take you know, these medicines as well, they they prophylax children for parasites and malaria in Africa with these medicines. We've done it for you know, decades upon decades with four billion doses given and 12 adverse events. Meanwhile, all kills four or five hundred people a year in America. Remdesivir has killed five, over five hundred people in a year. Um, these vaccines have killed over four thousand people in just six months. Uh, at least under investigation. So we're willy-nilly going ahead with something harming yes. a population, and we have a moral and ethical obligation to protect this young generation. And, and, and that's what scares future. me.
0: Like, we're all I'm, – I'm all for trying a vaccine, but then you have to sometimes step back and say, look, you know, let's slow it down here. There's some issues. But we know the political science behind this is so strong. um, It's too big to fail, it's just, it's too big to veil. And here's a point I'd like to add to that.
3: There is no emergency anymore amongst that population. So this addendum piggyback add-on to, hey, look, our shot worked, you know, during early in the pandemic and these older folks, at least, you know, to a small degree, um, though I would argue that the curve was curling over before the shots yes. could have even ever taken effect because we had hit that second wave and statistically yes. COVID was going out anyway. But so- we're pushing forward, you know, Pfizer, Moderna, these big companies wanna make money on their shot, which they're certainly making a lot of, but there's no emergency amongst the youth. If you actually take the numbers and did the calculation of how many people have had it, how many people are infected, how many people are at risk, how many children are hospitalized, and we saw a recent article in hospital pediatrics that showed they overestimated the kids' hospitalization by 40 to 45%. So there is no emergency for SARS-CoV-2 in the zero to 18 population in the United States of America right now, that's a lie. And it should. I know there's a group of physicians and attorneys that have filed for a temporary restraining order against shots for these younger children. And I hope that restraining order gets granted, but there is no emergency in that population. And we know from the studies, these children aren't the vectors of the disease anyway. They, you know, it's far more likely in a household from a parent down to a child, not from a child to a parent, not in a classroom. These children aren't the vectors. They're not at risk for the disease. There is no emergency. This is insanity. And there is something gravely wrong in the halls of Washington. And like you said, the fox is guarding the hen house. They're in cahoots with each other. The NIH, CDC, FDA get their money from pharma. The wellness, the well-being of this young generation should be our national top priority. And we have people yammering about, oh, let's give the kids the shots. No, let's protect that generation. Let's be ethical. Let's be moral. Let's be honest. Let's weed out the corruption. But there is no emergency. And if you think there's an emergency, you need to look at the data you're being lied to.
0: Absolutely, you cannot mix and match a circumstance for a certain people at a certain time. And then I think you're right, even with the elderly people. I mean, we don't know how many of them died from the vaccine. Remember, the the more at risk you are from COVID, the more likely it is that we'll chalk up a vaccine death to just being natural because the guy was at you know in hospice in a nursing home and whatever. We don't know how many. I I I. Point out on the show, and if, you know, just in a final comment, if you want to respond to this, doctor, uh, you know, in the British Medical Journal uh, uh, talked about, yeah, I talked about this yesterday. They had an article about a Norwegian review that looked at um, 10 fatalities of very frail elderly, and they made the point. It's almost the opposite of children, but the, the kind of the same principle coming full circle, that sometimes you could be at a point where they're clearly only a few months to live. And yes, they'd certainly be very vulnerable to, to, to the virus, but with so many people already having had it, um, it's on its way out. And it seems like, like anything, this would be more of a threat this this vaccine to the very elderly as well,, um, as it would be to young children you know, they they concluded that it's something that you really have to weigh rather than just reflexively saying, all right, you're half in the grave. Boom. You really need this vaccine. Like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stop with the one size fits all. 100
3: percent correct. And I, I and I studied
0: those and I, I, I did read
3: that study. And it also it brings up that point again were they screened before vaccine. We know how much Uh, COVID hit the nursing homes last year. So a high percentage of those individuals that survived COVID wonderfully uh, now we re-expose them and again that trigger happy immune system we gave them something they probably couldn't ward off in terms of what little strength those frail individuals had left. So again we are not approaching this with caution and with a scientific approach um, and you're correct we 're approaching a one size fits all and it absolutely does not and uh, you know i I have watched logic and reason and science and you know that precautionary principle in life let's i've just seen it all go by the wayside in a profession gone mad, and things are run by medical technocrats instead of. The benchtop thinkers are the frontline individual physicians treating these patients, we're on the front line seeing it, we're on the front line testing it, we're on the front line studying it. And meanwhile, we have policymakers that don't understand nuance anymore, and most of life is nuance.
0: Exactly. Oh, vaccines. I'm, uh, vaccines are amazing. Well, what? I mean, you, you, you got to talk about the specifics. And yeah, we're all for a safe and effective vaccine. But, you know, the only strategy that would make sense here to make this a one size fits all would be something that is fueled by political science or revenue on. And you just want to maximize your revenue. That's what's very scary about this, because let's face it, there's the other element that they've been completely absolved from any liability. And, you know, you could defend that and say, okay, we really wanted to get this out. Um, very expeditiously in a pandemic. Okay, but then you certainly have to do the opposite of mandating it. Then you really need informed consent. You really need to make sure the balanced information gets out to the public rather than in order to live a functioning life, we're basically going to make you get it. Oh, and by the way, there's no liability either. Um, that is pretty unbelievable. I, I just cannot believe how they're getting away with that legally. We're going to definitely explore it. Um, I know you're working on some really good projects with other frontline doctors. Keep the work up. We so much appreciate I know my audience loves your insight, and I'm going to forward some questions that they have to you as well.
3: Wonderful, Daniel. Thank you again for the opportunity. I'm always happy to share, always happy to continue learning myself so we can all stay educated together. And again, you know, let's keep each other safe, keep the children safe. Let's do what's rational and reasonable. And and again, I'm I'm here for you here for your audience and just grateful for the opportunity to share medical truth.
0: Well, thanks so much. Enjoy your weekend of travel and your uh, great conference. I know you're attending. A lot of good fruit is going to be born from that. Uh, Again, that was Dr. Ryan Cole. Folks, we are way out of time here. I'm going to have to save some of our crime stories till next week. Send me your comments, questions and concerns to dharwitz at blazemedia.com. Till next week. God bless you all. And thank you for listening.